your head in the game, Timmy. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who spent the first 30 years of his life living as Joan Cusack. Think about it. Never seen him in the same place at the same time, do you? My brother, Mike. Hey, Joan Cusack, wonderful actress, but I'm a little uh, traumatized by the Cusack discussions today. I've I've gone too deep in, in, in the discussion on John and, and the wonderful films that he has made throughout uh, his career. Somebody reminded me he was in Con Air today. Just a classic classic film i forgot about that uh but yeah no more cusacks I, I i'm good plus the cubs just beat us in a series and we all know that the cusacks are huge cub fans so um no no more cusacks here's my thing that you'll learn eventually that it's not always fun to be a part of alex's no it's not always fun to be friends with alex out of nowhere <laughs> Uh, because no, they'll come out of the woodwork say this, to though. talk to you about the weirdest I will say this. Subjects. It was really fun talking about all the John Cusack movies. It was. I enjoyed it greatly. Uh, I don't get to, you know, I I think I, I think I have like 80 followers. Not even that. I think I've got like almost 60 followers maybe on Twitter. I don't, you know, I'm not that active on there. And uh, to talk to all those people was really fun, especially about a topic that I'm extremely passionate about. The films of John Cusack. Okay. All right. <laughs> Didn't know you were that into it. Of course you are. You're a sister. Um, On this week's episode, we'll review another exciting week from the Royals, take a look at potential free agent additions, and preview this week's games. But first, a reminder to follow us on all the social medias. We just mentioned Twitter or whatever it's called now, X. Terrible name. Exactly. Ridiculous. (laughs) But. Well, we do have a lot of good conversations on there, a lot of fun interactions, a lot of back and forth, a lot of banter, uh, but also some great analysis on there, some great great Twitter threads and so forth. So follow us on that. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Mike puts out a bunch of fun stuff on threads. If you're into threads these days, we're trying to be as social as we possibly can be. So follow us on all the social medias. Also, I want to remind you that Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose all-in physical therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. That arm now looks like three boulders stuffed into a tube sock. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, The excellent specialized care she got at all-in physical therapy had her back to being active in no time. I shook hands with her the other day. Nothing but dust and nerve damage left in my hand. That's it. It's just, yeah, the loose sack of pedals. That's it. Uh, <laughs> All in physical therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lisa own Tommy Freevert, a former Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All in Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. We'll start the review of last week with roster news. It was another week of very little roster news. They're not doing a whole bunch of changes these days with guys staying relatively healthy and the the, the roster being fairly set. So uh, the roster news was pretty much on the margins this week, but the Royals did call up John the Whammer McMillan, as we're calling him, uh, from double A, straight from double A to the majors to help in the bullpen. If you don't know who McMillan is, he's a 25-year-old relief pitcher. Uh, He was signed as an undrafted free agent in that 2020 COVID draft. So there were only five rounds of that draft. He had the uh, poor fortune of coming out the year uh, that 
you know, um, the year that COVID happened. Now, of course, he, he had been drafted, I think, twice before that, chose to go back to college. And then unfortunately, COVID hit and he has to get taken in the year that only five rounds are going to happen. But he was mowing guys down in low A, in high A, and in double A this year. So they thought, let's bring him on up. Mike, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from John the Whammer McMillan so far? So far, he's looked uh, really good. You know, I we all knew he threw really, really hard. He's got a devastating breaking ball. Uh, some questions on whether he'd be able to throw strikes. But so far, I've, you know, that first game was kind of the full complete. He got the whole major league experience in that first game. Struck a guy out, walked a guy, guy hit a home run. <laughs> like, it was all of that. But he's he's looked pretty good to me so far. I've always liked the stuff, obviously. He is really the cream of the Royals reliever crop in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, we've got guys like Will Klein and, and there's a few others, DiBiase and things like that. But I, you know, him being up, I think can help a very, very bad bullpen. So happy to see him here. Good to see that he's had some success and, you know, looking forward to seeing some more. Yeah. He really is the future of this bullpen. A guy who's only got two pitches, really a fastball and a slider, but both of them, at least Fangraphs grades those out as 70 grade pitches, the fastball and the slider for him, which is incredible, right? Uh, fastball does go, it will go 99 to you know 101 occasionally. But what's interesting about it is not, he doesn't just throw it hard. He's got good spin. He's got good movement, uh, vertical movement on that fastball. And as a result, guys have a lot of trouble hitting it. It's a different fastball than, than Hernandez's 100 yeah, mile an hour Yeah, it fastball. is. It's a better fastball than Hernandez's 100 mile an hour yeah. fastball. And so... <laughs> You know, great to see from him. Get great that he's getting his feet wet. Their bullpen desperately needed help because they're really, really bad. They're still bad. One reliever is not going to change a, an entire bullpen, but it's nice to see him up. It's nice to see the future uh, of the Royals' relief effort uh, up there and, and contributing right now. Good for him. In other news, Nick Prado has been sent out on a rehab assignment. He's in Omaha right now playing for them. I saw him get a hit in the game yesterday, I think, as part of a rally that they had. Mike, what are your thoughts on Nick uh, Prado going out getting his time in. He's got 30 days worth of rehab if he needs the whole thing. And then what, what are your thoughts on that? Use the whole thing. Um, Cause I need to see some adjustments from Nick Prado. You know, we've talked for a long time about the strikeout rate and how, you know, he needs to keep it under 25%, but a guy like that, he's not hitting for any power. So the only guys you're like, okay, you hit, you have a 25% strikeout rate are guys that have an ISO over 200 and he's not anywhere near that. And so I need to see some adjustments that, that bring a little bit more power, but that also reduce the strikeout rate. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm, Nick Prado is a guy that I'm not quite so high on right now because yeah, he's a good first baseman. Yes. He can take a patient plate approach and his approach isn't bad, but he just isn't bringing the power and he strikes out way too much. Yeah. I'm not at all confident that he has a place in this team moving forward. And that's not because he completely lacks any sort of potential or completely like he's completely gone as a prospect or anything like that. It's mostly about what you just mentioned, the fact that struggles big time with strikeouts and also doesn't have a ton of power and plays a, a position that is a power profile position. Like you can't play first base really anymore as a James there's no, Loney, there's no Doug, as a Martin Doug Mankiewicz. Grace. There's no Doug Mankiewicz know? at first base anymore. Like you got to hit for power. You got to hit for high numbers. That's an offensive position. And so there's that. But there's also the fact that this team has gone on a hot stretch offensively without him in the lineup, without him doing anything, right? Like, and Salvador Perez is playing a lot of first base now, and Freddie Fermin is succeeding in, in Major League Baseball. And the question then becomes, like, do they really need him? 
Nick Prado at first base when Vinny Pasquantino comes back and it looks like, okay, maybe it can be a rotation of Vinny and, you know, Sal and maybe Matt Beatty over there and, or Devin Mann, you know, there, there are other options that right now look like they might be better options at the major league level than Nick Prado. Uh, yes, he could change something. Yes, they could unlock something for him. It's all a possibility for him. There's still a lot of talent in there, but it is troubling to see a guy strike out, you know, thir- roughly 30% of the time when he's only got an ISO of what his is probably like 170, maybe 160, yeah. 150, not, not good enough. Right. And so, We'll see on him. We'll see how long that rehab stint lasts and we'll see what they decide to do with him when it's over, because honestly they have to do something. They have to bring him up to, I mean, he's still got options, so they could always just, you know, option him to triple a, which is fine. Uh, But you know, I I have some skepticism about what Nick Prado and some questions about what he is moving forward on this team. Other than that, just some roster or some reliever shufflings, mostly for the Royals. They needed pitchers. They needed guys. You know, uh, it's been a fairly I've, I've been fairly impressed with Jackson Kowar. He he got uh, called back up to the majors and has had a little bit of success here in the in a short stint. And we've seen a couple other guys uh, come up uh, and, and just get relief outings. They sent Nick Whitgring down. He elected free agency and has ended up now with Seattle. They signed him. And so, you know, just a lot of reliever shufflings. We don't want to dig too much into that because it happens all the time. On the field, the Royals were 2-5 and five last week, which brings their overall record to 40-86. and 86. It was a wild week for the Royals because they lost 3-4 of four to the Mariners to open the week, but it seemed like every game in that series was back and forth, late-inning stuff, comebacks from both teams, you know. It was just a wild, wild series. To, to think they only ended up winning one game really doesn't reflect how well they played in that series, I don't think. Uh, the Royals' offense has especially played well, but then the bullpen keep keeps blowing leads for them, which, you know, was expected. Their bullpen is terrible, and they traded away any decent pieces they had. Uh, then they took the opening game of that Cubs series. They came up just short in game two and just short in game three. Came both, They came from behind in both of those and ended up falling one run short in both of them. Mike, what are your thoughts on this week uh, of gameplay on the field? I mean, it was, it was like, we've been saying, it's a very competitive baseball fun to, I mean, that Seattle series was fun to watch, man. They, they've got some good young players. The Royals have some good young players. I mean, Julio Rodriguez was scalding hot in that series. Bobby Witt Jr. was scalding hot in that series. And it's just like, I mean, they're not obviously going against each other, but it looked like just back and forth slug fest, slug fest. And so that was really fun to watch. And it was fun to watch the Cubs series as well. Um, you know, you're going to lose close games when you have a pretty bad bullpen. That's just how it is. And the Royals got rid of the best assets that they had maybe without, you know, minus Carlos Hernandez at the trade deadline, which they should have done. They probably should have gotten rid of Hernandez as well. Um, But you know, that's okay. I'm okay with that. I I don't care if they lose four to three to the Cubs when they've lost 86 games already. I don't care at all. I'm happy that they are making progress, that they are competitive in games and uh, that we're getting to see some of the young guys play. Yeah, when I'm watching the games, I still want them to win. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm the type of person who, when I'm when I'm yeah. watching a game, I still want my team to win. And so it's not like I'm like actively rooting for them to lose, but I can't take a loss that hard because I know that it keeps them in position for better position for drafting and stuff like that. You know, um, it's weird because my positivity about the team is growing despite their losing. Like they lost five games this week, but I thought that they looked better, maybe as good or better than they have looked all season this week. Like they were tight offensively, they were tight defensively. Yeah, their bullpen kept blowing games. And you mentioned Carlos Hernandez and saying, well, maybe we should have traded him. That's because he played really bad this week. And, you know, it's it's it, it's tough. But it, I made this point on Twitter, too. Like, if, if you're going to lose games at the end of a season, you want it to be from your bullpen, 
right? You want your bullpen to be the, the, the thing blowing games because it's easiest and quickest to fix a bullpen, right? Cheapest too. And so you might as well be the bullpen blowing it for us. At least the offense is playing pretty well, really well, actually. At least the we're getting a couple of good starts in the rotation here and there from from yeah. Reagan's and sometimes Singer. Though. It's like yeah. Reagan Singer and Hope for Rain. Hope. <laughs> like, today it was, for me, it was Reagan Singer. And then today was Lyles. I was like, Hope for Wind. They're in Chicago. I'm like, please yeah. let the wind be blowing in. And, and to be fair to Lyles, he pitched pretty well out, out there today. He went eight innings and gave up four runs. They should have pulled him after the seventh. He'd given up three runs at that point. Uh, but anyway, that's, uh, I digress there. Uh, but yeah, it, I'm fine if it, what the thing, the thing that's costing the Royals wins and losses is their bullpen at this point. Like we said, we, there were some people playing really well out there this week. Mike, who's your strong performer for the week? Well, we skipped him over last week, even though he had a really good week. So I'm going with Salvador Perez this week. Eight for 23 with a home run, six RBI. Anytime He only had two strikeouts. Anytime Salvador Perez can limit the strikeouts to two in a week, it's probably going to be a pretty big week for Salvador Perez. You know, still showing that he can do things with the bat that can be special. And uh, it's good to see because if, whether whether he gets traded this winter or he rolls into next year with the Royals, you want that bat or you want him to have as much value as possible. So, yeah, big week from Salvador Perez. And I keep wondering if not playing as much catcher is really going to benefit him here in late August and into September because he notoriously struggles at the end of the year. Maybe he's a little fresher now. Maybe. I think that's a good point and probably a truism, right? Like I think he will have a better chance to stay fresh. I think they're rolling with a system right now. That's like, he kind of only catches one game a series right now from, you know, he'll catch the day before uh, a day before, uh, like when, how do I say this? They'll he'll catch the next to last game of a series and then let Freddie Fermin take the day game after a night game. Uh, and then he'll play first base. And so the fact that they're getting them both in the lineup is great. Perez is having a great uh, offensive stretch right now, and that's nice to see, really helping out an offense that's cooking a little bit right now. I'm going with a guy, and I already mentioned him a little bit, but he's a guy who has been so maligned that he's doing well for the last week, and so I want to get him in here, right? And that's Jackson Kowar, a guy who, yeah, he needs to show more, you know, if if we're ever going to actually have faith in him, but we should really point out that he did have a good week this week. You know, he, he came up. He's thrown two and a third innings last week, given up only one hit, three strikeouts and one walk. He is doing it in a very interesting way. I didn't watch him pitch live in the game that he had. I had something I had to do. And so I missed like the last three innings of that game. But when I went back to watch him later the next day, I focused in on Kowar and man, it was interesting to watch him pitch. He is like leading with his changeup. First off, he is a changeup first pitcher, which is so interesting. He doesn't locate much. it all that well, honestly. <laughs> he just doesn't <laughs> locate it that well. But he's also learned that I can throw it virtually anywhere in the strike zone and guys are going to have trouble hitting it, right? And so he throws it up sometimes because he can't really control where it's going and, you know, down and all over. And it's like guys are just missing it or fouling it off or whatever, you know. But he's change up slider fastball is his like third biggest priority. And when he's out there throwing, you know, 85 mile an hour changeups and 83 mile an hour sliders. And then he tries to pump one at 97 past you guys aren't really getting as good of contact against that fastball as they did in years past. And it seems like he's found the pitch mix that's going to work for him. Right. Which is great. Uh, and so I'm interested to see what he can keep doing. Well, you know, are the, the odds that Coar's uh, ever going to be like a lights out reliever or anything like that. They're not great still. Right. But if he could find a way to be a contributor, Maybe they have at least one more answer. He can be the seventh, eighth guy in your bullpen, and you might be happy with that. 
Some guys did not play overly well this week. Mike, who was your weak performer for the week? Drew Waters struggled a little bit, and it's part of the continuation of sort of his streaky offense. Uh, he did play some decent defense, um, but he went three for 24, only one extra base hit of those three, five strikeouts to three walks. Five strikeouts to three walks isn't bad, but you need him to be a little bit more of an offensive contributor. And we're getting down to the point where you and I are going to talk about this later. Do we want to take on some position players in free agency or look at position players in free agency? If we do, the outfield is the place to put them. You know, there's just not anywhere in the infield really to put them. Maybe second base if you're not really believing in Michael Massey, but Michael Massey's numbers may not look good, but his, some of his expected numbers are much better. And so it's kind of tough. Like Isbell hasn't shown a ton of consistent offense. Waters hasn't shown a ton of consistent offense either. Melendez does look a little better now. So you hope he finishes out strong, but we need a, it would be really nice if Drew Waters could, could get some consistency going. Yeah, that's the case. I actually will make an argument that that's not what they should primarily target in free agency as position players, that they should be looking for guys who can fill the Matt Duffy role and stuff like that is like, because Duffy's on a one-year contract and, yeah. you know, position versatility and guys, guys like that role bench players. Yeah. We'll talk about that later, but waters, uh, you're right. You know, it's all going to be a question of like, can he limit the strikeouts? Can he put the ball and play hard that week? You know, like if, if he can do that, basically if he can limit the strikeouts, you know, his, his approach at the plate is a little too free swingy. You still catch him chasing too much and stuff like that. He's basically like, um, oh, I can't even compare him to to uh, Massey at this point because Massey's not striking out at nearly the level that Waters is anymore either. And so, but Waters just got to keep chipping away at that strikeout rate, get it down closer to twenty five percent, and then he, we know he'll be an effective hitter because he's got the power. He puts the ball and play hard. One of the things that I've noticed about him though is he is not quite the hitter right handed that he is left handed. No, he left-handed, is left-handed. He ju- he juices the ball. Right-handed, it just looks like he's trying to slap singles through the through the right side or something. It is it is a different ball game when he has to hit right-handed, and so we'll see if that ends up impacting things moving forward. We know that like it's weird because Isbell's a left-handed hitter who hits righties a lot better. Waters hits better left-handed. Who's your right-handed option in center field? They don't really have one. They don't have. Uh, and yeah. so you know we'll see. I mean, obviously it's Waters, but I don't know if they want to keep doing that or not. Uh, my week performer this week was Matt Duffy, a guy who, you know, we don't expect a lot from. And so there's not much to say, but he was two for 13 this week, zero extra base hits, two walks, two strikeouts. Duffy's a guy who, you know, he's a bench player. Don't worry too much about him struggling. He's only on a one-year contract, but I'll be talking about some players or a player anyway, who I think might be a good replacement for him next year uh, uh, in free agency. Mike, looking back on the week that was seven game week, two and five still played real well. What is your theme for last week? My theme is half a good team because that's what I feel like we kind of have now uh, with the offense looking like they're a little bit more promising and you're missing Vinny Pasquantino. So that's going to be a big addition. I feel like we have half a good team. Now, that's a we don't have half a good organization yet because we're so depleted of talent in the minors. But I I feel okay, And after especially after going through the free agency list and kind of looking at where we could need guys, I really feel pretty strongly that our lineup is okay. I think this is a lineup you can take into the playoffs. I do not feel that way about our starting rotation or our bullpen. So we're half good pitching, bad hitting good, which is kind of how we (laughs) thought it would be in the beginning of the year. 
yeah, it's weird the ways in which that this team has become exactly what we thought it would be at the beginning of the year. It just took them like half a season. It to took a half there. season, yeah. Yeah, and that's weird, you know, like, but, it, you know, I guess it happens. You know, we expected progress from the hitters and now they've shown it, but it took them a half season to get to that progress. Uh, and so, you know, it is what it is, but thanks for making me look like a dick for that first half of the year, Royals. Um, <laughs> my theme, <laughs> my theme for this week is going to be good baseball, bad bullpen. <laughs> which seems to be like, you know, I feel like that theme fits last week so perfectly and will probably fit the rest of this season. I think that's what you're going to see for the rest of the season from the Royals. You know, I think Melendez will probably keep it going a little bit. Waters will probably keep it going a little bit. Melendez or Massey, Witt Jr. will keep it going. Probably not to the extent that he is right now because he's so hot. But, you know, he'll he'll keep playing well. Offense will keep playing well. You'll still get an occasional good start from the rotation. And then the bullpen's going to just keep blowing leads for him. Except for when Cole Reagans comes up, he's a guarantee. Yeah, he's not a guarantee. Nobody's a guarantee, <laughs> but he, he pitches well. You know, you like that. Um, Love the guy. And so, and so, but that bullpen, man, that bullpen is Oof. so bad. And what's weird is it, it to me, it seems like the coaching staff is actually optimizing that bullpen. Like the coaching staff and the way that they're using it is probably actually making that bullpen look even better than it actually is, which is crazy because it looks terrible, right? And so, you know. But it is what it is. And and part of that terribleness is Carlos Hernandez has come back to earth hard. And like, you know, Coleman still walks the entire park and all that. So it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. You know what's wild to think? When they optioned Whitgren, they probably got rid of the second or third best arm in that bullpen. Just like yeah. arm-wise, just like stuff-wise. And his stuff is garbage. Okay? MacArthur, ugh. Oh, he's bad. Castillo, ugh. He's not like. Good. Ugh. Who's the, the left-handed guy we just got? Davidson, Tucker. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like, it's not good. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. Coleman, honestly, has not been good. Um, no, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's real bad in the bullpen. Luckily, like we said, bullpen, easiest thing to turn around. So we'll see. Royals Weekly is brought to you by Knapp Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? No, which is why I gamble all on all every single Little League World Series game. <laughs> that's not that's not at all wise, Mike. Uh, if little Timmy Spolansky could take could lay off an effing curveball, Daddy would get paid. Okay, <laughs> no, do not listen to him, folks. Do not bet on the World Little League. Head in the game, Timmy. Uh, Securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Nap Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it, unlike what Mike is doing. This isn't some big, faceless corporation we're talking about here. Nap Family Wealth is run by J.C. Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead, education planning so your kids learn to read good, investment management so you can get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P familywealth.com. Security and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. Everyone's talking about what the Royals will look like in 2024. Last week, we gave some early consideration to the 2024 roster, and one of the takeaways from that conversation was that the Royals need to add some pieces in free agency. So this week, we're going to talk about who we think the Royals should target and why. If you'd like to know the process for this, how we're sort of thinking about it, I asked Mike to choose two starting pitchers, one position player, and one reliever he'd like to see targeted. And I chose that because last week, our consensus was they need lots of starting pitching. Um... We're only considering players who are unrestricted free agents uh, this winter. 
uh, not guys who have like club options. We're also considering guys who have player options, but only if we think that player option will be declined by the player. Mike, of those three positions, starting pitcher, relief pitcher, position player, how would you rank them in terms of priorities to target in free agency? Well, I would go with uh, obviously starting pitching is most important. It's most important in baseball, but it's also the spot the Royals are most deficient in in the most important way. So that's that's why I put it first. After that, position player, and because it's because like you've said, it's so much easier to get relief help. I put relief pitching last. I did want to add that people might be going, well, people who have player options, there are not a ton of player options out out there. No, um, and even less that will be declined. So. Uh, I didn't, I don't, I didn't, none of the guys I picked were player option guys. So yeah. What do you think How about in terms of the priority for your free agent targets? What are you thinking? I mean, like you, I, I think starting pitching is the big priority. I actually think relief pitching is second and position players third. And that's mostly because of where the Royals are right now. Yeah. Their bullpen is so bad and their lineup is pretty good. I mean, that's been really good the last month or so. And so I, I'm of the mind that they need to do a lot of turnover in that uh, in that bullpen, it, it doesn't have to look like big name free agents all the time. You know, some of the guys we're going to talk mostly about guys who have names, but they might also pull from the scrap heap of like independent ball and stuff like that. We and talked so, about rule five. That's... Yeah. So we're not going to consider any sort of trades or rule five or anything like that. We're also not going to consider Japanese and Korean pitchers, mostly because the Royals will have a lot of difficulty playing in those markets. Uh, if you don't know how the Japanese system works, it's a little complicated, but basically if you're if you haven't been in the Japanese league for 10 years, then the team that essentially owns your contract posts up what's called a posting fee. And so you have to pay them a ton of money and then pay the guy in free agency. And that just costs way too much money for a team like the Royals to want to want to participate in. Um, and so I just don't think that that's going to be a thing that they do. That said, they will play for some free agents. So, Mike, let's start uh, talking about the starting pitcher since we both think that that's the priority here, which starting pitchers do you think the Royals should target in free agency? Well, let me start with the fact that there isn't a ton of good depth in the free agent starting pitching market, bad free agent market for starting. Pitchers. Yeah. Shohei Otani at the top. And then it goes down for, forever. Royal Barry Shohei a Royal. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw, I think is up there too. Um, but we're not yeah. getting him either. Um, so yeah. And after that, it falls off tremendously. Uh, so I went with a guy I think is I, th- I still think is very interesting and, and somewhat affordable. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, 30-year-old uh, <clears throat> left-handed pitcher, currently pitching with Texas. <coughs> Sorry. A little tickle in my throat. Um, he pitched with the Cardinals earlier this year. He's, he was with the Yankees for a long time. He He's a guy that from the left side struggles with a fastball. His fastball is his most hittable pitch. He throws a sinker and a four-seamer, but both of them get hit pretty well. But his secondary stuff is very good. Uh, he's got a 15.6 K to walk rate. He does a good job limiting walks. He's durable. Um, he, he pitches, you know, 150 plus innings a year usually. I, I would be very interested in a target like him because if they can do just a little something to improve the fastball or even improve his pitch mix to where he doesn't have to use that as much, he could go from a guy who's a very average major league pitcher to slightly above average. And that's really what this rotation needs. A guy that's going to be in there every time through the rotation and provide a quality start every time. This is not Jordan Lyles. I know the profile kind of sounds the same. Lyles fastball sucks. Montgomery struggles with his. It is not the same. It is very, very, very different. Uh, This would be like Lyles at his best, if you want to think of it that way. And he's a guy that the Royals can afford. 
Anything you want to say about Jordan Montgomery before I move on to my next one? No, I just want to let everybody know that a lot of the guys we're going to be talking about don't get triggered and be like, they're just like Jordan Lyles. Like, not everybody is Jordan Lyles, okay? Uh, <laughs> not every free agent pitcher is Jordan Lyles. These guys might sound a little like Jordan Lyles to you because we're going to be talking about a lot of back-end guys, but they're not all Jordan Lyles. Jordan Montgomery is has had a much better track record than what Lyles did. He's younger than Lyles. The other good thing I think about Jordan Montgomery is he's left-handed with somewhat of a similar pitching profile as Cole Reagan's. And so there might be an opportunity for Reagan's to learn a little bit from Jordan Montgomery. If you believe in that kind of a thing, I really don't. Yeah, I know a lot. And some people don't, uh, the next thing I'm going to talk about is, is a reclamation guy, kind of a, I don't want to call him a lottery ticket, but there's a chance at really big upside for really low cost here. And he might be willing to sign kind of a one year, prove it kind of a deal because it's Luis Severino. If you don't know much about Severino, he's he pitched for the Yankees for a long time. He was elite in 2017 and 2018. We're talking top 10 pitcher in baseball. Okay. Worth over five war both years. Um, fantastic pitcher. Then the injuries came 19, 20 and 21. Remember 20 was the shortened year. He was injured pretty much the whole, all that whole time. Um, last year he comes back, throws a hundred innings and is very, very good. Okay. Looks like he's back to being elite Luis Severino. This year, he has fallen off a cliff. He is just, blech. And I, I tried to go, like, investigate. Well, what happened to Luis Severino? Did he have a big dip in velocity? Maybe his spin rates changed, something like that. I couldn't figure it out. His velocity is the same on his very good, usually very good fastball, but they are hitting the shit out of it. Um, his spin rates are basically the same for his fastball. They're still hitting the shit out of it. And so if a more advanced pitching mind can go in and figure out why is Luis Severino have a six plus ERA when he used to have a three ERA? You could get yourself a really bargain deal with a guy that could be very good. A more advanced pitching mind than yours? Uh, I, does that I, exist? I know. Cal, call Cal Eldred. Is that, <laughs> call Cal Eldred somebody. Uh, anyway. But the, the, the reason I like him is because you can get him on a prove-it deal. It won't cost them much right. to do that. Like the, the thing we looked at projected he'd make $9.8 million per year. You pay him 11 or 12, go a little higher than what any other team will. Say one year, we'll give you 11 or 12 million bucks. You come in and you prove it. If he does prove it and you're not contending, you trade him for big time prospect value. I mean, even if you are contending, like you still probably trade him for big time prospect value because they might be contending in the loosest sense of the word, but they're not competing for a world series exactly. next year. And so go ahead and trade Luis Severino, but Hey, maybe you can find the thing that turns him around. They did it with Chapman. You never know. Mm-hmm. And so that'd be, that'd be a good idea. Mike filled out the outline before me. So he took two of the guys I might have taken, but the number one guy I was going to take, he did not take. And that is Kyle Gibson. Uh, he's a 35-year-old right-handed pitcher currently with Baltimore, formerly a twin. So we've seen a lot of Kyle Gibson here in Kansas City. He's used to pitching in, in Kauffman Stadium. Plus he pitched at Missouri. He's Yes, he pitched at Missouri. Uh, uh, he also used to pitching at CAL Central. Uh, his projected uh, annual AAV, his projected yearly uh, price would be something like $13.2 million. Now, when you hear his stats, you might be thinking, why wouldn't he pay, pay $13 million to this guy? He has a 4.97 ERA and a 4.53 expected ERA this year, but only a 3.87 FIP fielding independent pitching. So his numbers look good if you're just looking at strikeouts and walks and things like that. The thing that gets him to $13 million is that FIP and the fact that he has been a reliable starter in terms of taking the ball every fifth day and, and throwing innings. So 
I mentioned you, you'd think like, oh, that's the same thing I said about Lyles. That's true. Like he has a similar argument and that like he is an innings eater, but he's more quality innings. He's got a much better track record than, than Lyles does. Doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but doesn't walk a ton of guys. He's durable. He's just a better version of Jordan Lyles. And so I'd love to see something like that if they could get him for a year or two. Uh, quality uh, starting pitcher for Baltimore right now. Uh, another guy who sort of fits a similar mold, he's just much younger. Jack Flaherty, he's also with Baltimore right now. Let's just raid Baltimore's rotation for for pitchers. Um, he was a Cardinal at the beginning of the year. They traded him to Baltimore uh, in the middle of this year before the trade deadline. He's got a 4.43 ERA. He's a right-handed pitcher. He's got a 4.69 expected ERA and a 4.52 fielding independent pitching. Think of Jack Flaherty as like the definition of major league average, right? And so he's the type of guy who, you know, you put him in the rotation, you don't worry about him. He throws you 160 MLB average innings, right? Like, and so I'm ready to take that from damn near anybody. Like we've said, the Royals, it's not an issue of like, oh no, they don't have an ace. They need an ace. It's an issue of they need a three, four and five starter because right now they don't have those either. And so like, it's important to have an ace. Maybe it might be important to have an ace. I'm not even sold that you need one to win a world series. Obviously the Royals did not have one the year they won a world series, but that you have to have three, four and five. You have to have a back end or else you're in big, big trouble as they've shown this year and last year. And so Flaherty Gibson, I think both of those guys could do a lot of good work in this rotation. We will go to position players next, Mike, since you seem to think they're so freaking important. Uh, Mike, <laughs> who's the position player you think they might target or they think they should target in this offseason? It took me like 30 minutes to find this guy. And, and I don't even love it because like I, I said, when you go through the lineup, you're like one, one, when you go through the list of guys that are available, you're like, Ugh, there's not a lot of quality in there. And then when you look at the lineup, you go, okay, well, where am I going to put him? Is, is this guy better than the guys the Royals currently have? And I'm like, not really, you know, less potential, maybe a little bit higher floor, but he may be playing better now, but I don't know. I went with Kevin Kiermeyer, and here's why Kevin Kiermeyer can play defense. He can play you center field. No matter what, you know, you can put him in center field. He has been over the last four or five years, consistently a 90 to hundred weighted runs created plus guy, which is a slightly below average, but solidly average offensive player from the right side, which I believe if I remember right, I think he's right-handed. Uh, he's been with Toronto the last few years. That's somewhat of a bigger park uh, and plays a great defense there. He was with Tampa before that their park's not tiny. Um, so yeah, he could, he would be, I think a solid veteran ad if you aren't sure of the long-term ability of a Kyle Isbell, Isbell or a Drew Waters. You might even say he'd be a solid ad, even if you are, uh, if you, if you feel maybe like if you are, are. because he's right-handed, you know, I don't know what his numbers are against lefties in his career, but maybe they're better. You could get a well, and it's not like Samad Taylor has really shown that he's ready to be your everyday fourth outfielder or Blanco has shown that they're, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're, if you want to talk about improving the bottom of your 26 man roster, mm -hmm. Kevin Kiermeyer does that immediately. Right. And what's interesting is if you sign a guy like Kiermeyer, you can start thinking of Samad Taylor more as your backup infielder, although he doesn't have the arm really for it and he doesn't play short. So you might even be thinking about him as like a, he's going to hang out in triple A till somebody gets hurt kind of a guy. Um, but Kiermaier would be an interesting rotation piece with a guy like Kyle Isbell, Drew Waters, that sort of thing. Um, 
I'm going to go with another former Tampa Bay Ray. We were just really rating former Tampa, Tampa Bay Rays for our position players. And that's Joey Wendell. He's a guy you'll remember was a really good piece for the Rays two or three years ago. Since then, his offense has really taken a decline, a couple down years offensively. But he's a 33-year-old infielder who plays multiple uh, defensive positions, shortstop, third base, second base, a real grinder, a real dirt bag, if you will. Uh, good defender at multiple spots. He's got positive defensive numbers in a lot of places. And he's just a guy who I think would fill that Matt Duffy role really well. You know, go get him. He'll feel it just as well, if not better than Matt Duffy. And, you know, if you can do something with him, especially like get him to be a little more patient, maybe, or get him to, you know, uh, his walk rate has dipped significantly since his best offensive years. And so, you know, get him to be a little more patient offensively, and maybe he adds a little bit more offensive value. On to the relievers. I'm being attacked by a gnat right now. That's why it's driving me crazy. Me too. Uh, Yeah, gnats are everywhere these days. Um, Anyway, let's talk about that bullpen. It is right now the worst of the three uh, areas for the Royals. Mike, who, who, who's a reliever you think they could find in, in free agency this year? I really like Jordan Hicks from Toronto. He's 27 years old, right-handed pitcher. He walks too many guys, but his stuff is electric stuff. He averages a hundred miles an hour on both a four seamer and a sinker. And he's got just a wipeout slider too. I mean, he is, he is what he's probably what Dylan Coleman was last year with the walks included, uh, but maybe even a little step up from that. Um, so he's a guy I'd be really excited about. The average annual value for him too was only like 3 million bucks. And so, you know, and that's because he's had trouble, consistency troubles w- with walks. And so um, I, I would like to see, uh, you know, a, bring a guy like that in, add him as an arsenal or add him as a piece in your arsenal. And again, he's the kind of guy that could fetch big time stuff at a trade deadline because if he just walks a few less guys, you're talking about somebody somebody who could be a closer in the playoffs and just dominate people. Yeah, I think that I think somebody's actually going to give probably give Hicks a significant amount of money this offseason because he throws so hard because the stuff is so electric. I think the bidding on him is going to get high, like higher than the Royals would want to give. Wouldn't surprise uh, me. Yeah, annually. Yeah, and so I, I would wonder about that. But you know, obviously, if they could get him for a decent sort of contract. He's also probably going to be looking for multiple years because, you know, he's, you know, and I'm doubting they're going to want to give multiple years to a reliever, but we'll see, you know, um, I'm going with a dude who the Royals know a little bit because he played for Detroit for a while. And that is old Buck Farmer. First off, great. He would, name. He would add to the name. Just, just his name alone would add something <laughs> to the bullpen. Cause if your name is Buck Farmer, I just feel like, you know, how do you never not get someone out? Like cracking open Bud, Bud Diesels after just, the game every day, just Bud Diesels and giant monster dips every day, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah, Buck Farmer is 32 year old right-handed pitcher. He's currently with Cincinnati, but he has been with Detroit in the past. He's got a 3.89 ERA and a 1.10 whip this year. What's interesting about him is he may not be tapped. Like he's had some up and down years, you know, in the bullpen and stuff. He's having a good one this year, but, I wonder if he's not going to get like big free agent uh, reliever money because he's just had too many inconsistent years. And there are going to be other things about him that teams make teams a little bit um, cautious about going after him. He's got terrible extension for someone who's six foot four, which could be something that, you know, this pitching development staff could work on, improve his extension a little bit, and maybe you get a little bit more out of him. He's got a three pitch mix, could probably scrap his changeup and find a little more success because 
that's the pitch that some players have some success off of him. He's got a good fastball, good slider, but for some reason he still throws his change up like 25, 20, 25% of the time. And I'm like, why you have two really good pitches. You're a reliever. And this one is the one that's getting hit all the time, you know, like scrap it and just go with those other two, you know? Uh, but you know, we'll see. It'd be an interesting pickup, I think. And it probably wouldn't cost them too much money. It's a battle for the basement to start off this week for the Royals. They head to the West Coast to face the Oakland A's, the Oakland Las Vegas A's. I don't know what to call them exactly, but I think theoretically they're still in Oakland. Uh, the Toilet so, Bowl A's? Yeah, well, you know. Can we talk really? I mean, we're down there right there with them. Uh, oh, I was talking about their stadium where literally oh. <laughs> sewage fills the stadium at times. It's a toilet bowl. Uh, it's the biggest the toilet, toilet bowl in America. You know it's, called? it's called Toilet Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when sewage is in a thing, fills with sewage. it's called toilet. Uh, it's toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, they'll get a day off after facing Oakland. Maybe they'll go to Alcatraz before they head up to Seattle to face the Mariners again. Uh, we just saw the Mariners. Mike, tell us about the A's and who we need to look out for on that vaunted uh, baseball club. Man, they're bad, huh? <laughs> they are bad. 34 and 90. For last in the AL West, um, not a good organization at all. Davidson's opening a game? He must be. I didn't catch who's going to be a bulk person after him. It might be Alec Marsh. It should be. be, I mean, uh, that's his spot. I think it it Uh, probably is. Yeah, yeah. so it's probably Marsh after Davidson. So Mark didn't have this stuff up when I filled out the outline, so I'm shocked to find that Davidson is opening the game. And you know what? I think so little of him. I've actually forgotten his first name again. <laughs> what is his first name again? Tucker. Tucker. His there name is Tucker. Tucker Davidson. Yikes. Uh, we'll be going up against Paul Blackburn, a 29-year-old righty out of uh, from Cal with a 4.09 He's ERA. not from Cal. He's not out of Cal. Sorry. He's just from California. Oh, he is? Where did he yeah. go to college? He went to, he's, a, he's a high school draft. He oh, my bad. College. Sorry. High school out of the great state of California, I guess. Uh, 4.09 ERA, 1.5 whip. That's a pretty bad whip right there. Uh, he's got a sinker in the low 90s, a cutter, a slider, a four-seamer, a curveball, and a changeup. Mixes a lot of pitches, but apparently they get hit quite a bit, or at least he walks people quite a bit. One of the two. Um, so that's who we got in the first game. The second and third game, we do not have probables for the A's, but we will have Zerpa going in the second game. Be good to see him coming off of probably his best performance so far in his last uh, outing. And then my guy, Cole Reagans, in that third game, Want to see Reagans just shut down that A's lineup. It'll be fun. Yeah. After they uh, take on the A's, they're headed up north to face Seattle. It's a West Coast swing. It's quite a road trip for them to go to Chicago, out to Oakland, and up to Seattle. They're going to be ready to be home by the time that's over. Um, but the Mariners are 69-55. and 55. That's third in the AL West, three games back of the Rangers. We just saw them. They're a little bit hot right now. They kind of got hot in Kansas City. I think that's a trend for some teams. They got hot in Kansas City. Julio Rodriguez, as you mentioned, is boiling lava hot. I mean, insanely hot. Hitting like 500. He's, I think what is he? He had like 17 hits in four games or something like that. It was crazy. Um, he went, I think he went five for five one day and then four for five the next day. Yeah, yeah. And had he multiple is, home runs in one of those games. Yeah, he's insanely hot right now. Uh, they also are getting good years from guys like Cal Raleigh, who's a good good hitter and good catcher. Ty France, another good player on that team. They're full of uh, talented guys. They have a strong rotation as well with good young starters in it. Guys like Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, we saw both of them and we're able to hit them pretty well in the last uh, round here in Kansas City. Let's hope that our offense can stay strong against them and maybe our bullpen doesn't blow so many games uh, this next time around. 
We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with the Just a Bit Outside segment, where we have, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, Michael James, what is your interesting thing? I got an interesting thing from a coworker this week, uh, a guy that you and I both coached with last year, and um, he came up to me and we were talking on you know this thing we were doing together because they make us do it. We have to go watch some presentation. We were writing together the presentation. He always tells me about his travels. He travels more than any human being I've ever met. And he told me about this website basically called gate one, where you can get dis like you can get deals on travel packages. And it was just, I went and visited the website. He sent me an email with like some of their sales they were having. And I was like, I was blown away because it's, it's like if you went to a travel agent, only you don't have to pay the fees for the travel agent and you're going to get a discount too. So there's like trips on there to Europe for like 1100 bucks a person. You know, that includes a flight and hotels and all the stuff they plan for you. And they even have ones where it's like, Hey, you don't want us to plan stuff for you. You want to do your own thing. We'll just do the flight in the hotel and that's even cheaper. And it's like, it, it just is such an interesting website for people who want to travel. And if you have the ability to kind of, go when you want to or pay when you want to for it, 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 it's even easier to use. And so I'm really excited maybe down the road to try one of these trips because in the past I have planned every little detail of every vacation my wife and I have gone on and it takes a long time to do that. And I'm always doing it so that I can kind of maximize our dollars, but this is cheaper than me even trying to do it myself. And so I, I'm interested to try that sometime. Maybe you and I and, and Morgan and 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 your partner have talked about going to Portugal down the road. Perhaps that is uh, through that for us. I don't know. Maybe that sounds dope. Gate one. I'm very interested in it. Gate one, people. Give it a look. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, I'm about to go to Spain myself and have been planning the details of that. So spent some time today doing that. And uh, so that'll be fun. By the way, he told me because he's been to Barcelona and, and other places in Spain. Watch out for pickpockets, he said. He that's says Barcelona says. is filthy with them. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Uh, yeah, uh, that's cool. Uh, I'm talking about something else. It's a, uh, just a concept, I guess, because I uh, my partner went out on the town last night for somebody's birthday. With my and wife. Normally when she goes out, I go out. Yeah, with Mike's wife as well. Um, and normally when she goes out, I, I often go out with her. But last night I decided to stay in. And it, it sort of got me thinking on like the value of being alone, right? Like it, it's one of those things. There are some people who don't like to be alone. I really love to be alone. But, you know, it's interesting when you live with somebody else that you have to kind of cherish those moments when you get to be alone. Right. And, and I think we should all do that and, and think about like, I always anticipate the moments when I get to be alone. And I think about, well, what am I going to do in this moment? You know, you got three hours, you got, you know, a night, you got a day, you got a couple of days, you know, and then I sort of think about, and I get really excited about like, oh, I'm going to play FIFA. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I like to do, you know, or it's a lot of times for me, it's like, I'm going to watch three baseball games back to back to, you know, like, uh, and so, you know, it's the, it's the most boring stuff most people would think, but I really cherish it. I like the notion of like, sitting there with my own thoughts and, and just being, uh, being by myself and, and not having to rush or, or, or do anything else. It's, it's almost like you're given carte blanche to be selfish, you know, to be like, Hey, today's just about me and what I need and want. Like, that's cool. You know, I think we should all have those moments and really cherish them. I know, uh, sometimes it's not easy for people to be alone, but I really, really enjoy it. You know, it's fantastic when you're a teacher, that's the summer. Like, right. You know, because you know, I was all day this summer. I just got to do all that. It was fantastic because I like being alone too. You know, 
My wife knows that I really cherish my alone time. So she works to manufacture more of it for me, which is cool. Um, especially now that we have a son and you know, you're, you're always That's just because she doesn't enjoy that. being around. That could be it too. You know that, Either way, but... I'm okay with it. All right. It gets me more. Why, why, why would she want to be around? You? Uh, and so, yeah, <laughs> it is fun to, uh, to get to go, Hey, I'm going to go take a nap for two hours. I'm going to go play guitar. I'm going to take just a walk by myself. I love doing that. Um, yeah, it's good. Good stuff. I had a joke that is inappropriate, but I really want to tell don't it. Don't say it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm not going to. Family gonna, program. Family program here. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, let's just say uh, we you're never alone when you're watching the Kansas City Royals. We're right there with you. That's right. So next week, tune back in. We will be back to talk more Kansas City Royals with you. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.